You're out the door, Andy. I'm after spending about five grand on a thousand Paddy and Andy football pod t-shirts. So oh, Jesus Christ. It's like yeah. Garth Brooks all over again. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The News Run on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. This is News Talk. Well, all four Irish provinces through to the knockout stages in Europe. Johnny Sexton rolling back the years in Bath. Jerry Thornley and Fiona Hayes are with us after 8 o'clock this evening. On the Gaelic Games front, it seems at last change is a coming to the football championship. The Green proposal will go before Congress next month. That was decided over the weekend. Colm Keyes with us tonight to explain all. Amongst other things, TJ Reid, you'll get a mention. Uh, football show, Pat Nevin on the weekend's football. Also... Gary Neville, it seems, is thinking of politics, is the speculation. Mayor of Manchester, perhaps, MP, will uh, reveal all. Plus Tara Sullivan with the lowdown on what some are calling the greatest weekend in NFL history, uh, which seems to be uh, the talk. Rather extraordinary. 53106, text number. We're out off the ball on Twitter. We have Richie McCormick with us. Hello. Hey, Joe. How you doing, Nathan Murphy? What's going on? Evening, gentlemen. Richie, have you ordered your Bob Marley jersey yet? Uh, not quite yet, no. But the the coverage they've received so far today has been phenomenal. Uh, our colleague Anna Call pointed out on Twitter later on that um, as as mocked as this might be in some quarters here at home, it's been put in front of at least uh, eighty million, I think, followers potentially, depending on who's tweeted out. Like every major football outlet on Twitter has tweeted out a picture of the jersey or the story behind it. So in an age when we kind of cry out for, for coverage of the domestic league, uh, Bows are kind of doing it for everyone else today. Uh, July 1980, of course, is last outdoor gig in Daily Mount. This is the link. And there was an effort before to get a Bob Marley uh, jersey and there were copyright issues. And 10% of all sales, and hopefully there's uh, proceeds from around the world and this uh, jersey catches the imagination, 10% will go to musical and sports equipment at people in direct provision. So, you know, you can't not be on board with something like that, Nathan. And yet, I know it's your opinion, they're just trying a bit too hard here, aren't they? There's a touch of desperation here. (laughs) Uh, No, I think it's class. And I think the jersey uh, looks brilliant and you're right they did try this before then i think Ajax sort of stole in there did a deal where uh they had a three little birds connection with bob marley and maybe that opened the opportunity for bohemians to go back in but i know that Ajax jersey is impossible to get uh that they produce so i would expect the demand for bohemians uh from obviously their own supporters but i think just from your neutral football fan around you know the richie mccormick's of luxembourg and uh, you know the Netherlands <laughs> and places like that who want to want to be seen to be sort of you know kind of cool, pretty hipstery, doing their sports radio show of a Monday night. They want to have that Bohemians jersey on and to be asked the question, "What is it? Where did you get it?" Uh, so yeah, I think it's brilliant for Bohemians. Uh, do they give it? Uh, you know, this feeder club role they have for Shamrock Rovers now, Richie. When the players are making the way to the big club, do they get one of the jerseys as a leaving present? Uh, no, boot it out the door, don't come back is the is the kind of thing. Danny Mandrill will probably tell you that much as well. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk to Colin Keyes, half past seven. Uh, the proposal green was passed over the weekend by Central Council, got the uh, two thumbs up, it'll go before Congress. By the way, the Congress in February is in Beckon at the uh, Connacht Centre of Excellence. I don't know if it's in the building of the Connacht Centre of Excellence or in How the dome. That, I went with Beckon. Go on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll never be allowed home again. Bacon. Bacon. 
the Sunday right. paper review Illuminati of Tommy Martin Dion Fanning and myself we, we, after negotiations off air we went with Bacon but it's Bacon well, I'll tell you what, we should go down and do an off-the-ball roadshow uh, in the Centre of Excellence in Bacon. We can go back to Ronan's in Bacon. Uh, lovely pool table out the back. Nice pint of Guinness. Settle down there <laughs> for the night. I think we'll all be just okay. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the perfect place for Congress, isn't it? I can't wait to see who the first what the first gig in there is. It's going to be, I presume it's going to be a Nathan Carter, Mike Denver style, but... <laughs> well, actually, Tommy Conlon had a great piece on how this all came into being yesterday. Mm in the Sunday Independent, it was just bloody interesting. So John Prenty of the Connacht uh, Provincial Council, and, and already the dome is nicknamed Prenty's Tenty because a nickname is required <laughs> with these things, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so John Prenty was talking about it. He gave Tommy Cullen the, the full guided tour. So in effect, I mean, there was no Connacht Centre of Excellence and, and they felt it was a good idea. And after they went through with it, everybody agreed, oh, it was a good idea. They bought the 63 acres of farmland and developed any number of outdoor pitches and uh, built, obviously, the, the uh, building that is the centre of excellence as well and used, it seems, actually a fair degree of the money raised by uh, Rule 42 and rugby and GEA, sorry, rugby and uh, soccer being played at Crow Park. And uh, he was uh, talking about, you know, we felt an indoor pitch would be a real cherry on the icing on the cake. So uh, the Centre of Excellence opened uh, maybe 2012. And it's funny, who else, Nathan? Who popped up here in this story unexpectedly? So they, has a, they had a visitor in 2016 for a cup of coffee and just to see the Connacht Centre of Excellence on Taoiseach Enda Kenny. And uh, he happened to say over his uh, scone and coffee to the lads, do you know, in Castle Bar, there's, a, there's an indoor dome for the tennis. That'll go well mm. here. And as soon as uh, Enda heads off, the boys race over to Castle Bar for a look, realise this is a cheaper, cheaper uh, outpouring than concrete and steel, just three million. And uh, lo and behold, here we are several years later after uh, Enda's top of the head suggestion, we have the dome for three million. And that's how Prenti's Tenty uh, came into being. And he was saying it's booked out the door. It's very reasonable. So you're saying about this roadshow, if, if, if we were a, a team and wanted to book this for an hour and a half, 150 euro and it's ours. So they're not trying to make a massive profit on all this. He was, he was saying, you know, because the Connacht Council, they, they have to host loads of games. They don't own their own pitches. So now this thing's booked out the door. The Galway hurlers were trying to get in for next week. They couldn't get in. There's no slots available. So um, I missed oh, a I runaway guess. success. I wish I was uh, 10 years old living back in Ballyhonas in the day and we'd be struggling for pitches for everything and anything and we could have gone four miles out the road and played in the coolest sporting venue in Europe right now. I presume Michael Ring was at the door when Enda Kenny was meeting the Connacht Council desperately trying to get in to be uh, involved in this and stake his claim as, as well. It's it's an incredible facility. I was remember been down six, seven years ago before this was built and even then you were looking at it thinking, wow, uh, to have this sort of facility in halfway between Ballyhonas and Knock and the amount of pitches they had and the quality of them, and then to go and create something like this, which, to be honest, when I'd heard about it and saw the pictures and what was expected, I kind of thought it was going to be like one of those tennis domes and it might be a nice little practice area for teams during the winter and you could do a little bit of training and all that, whereas clearly you can play football matches, you can play hurling matches, you can get a decent crowd in there as well. And I'm sure many sporting organisations are looking at this considering the climate in this country and thinking we need to get on board oh, yeah. we need to get ourselves one of these apparently it's surprisingly hard to hit the roof as well it's, it's mm. not achievable uh, boot to ball now I presume hurl to slitter you'd have a fair chance in the roof if you're really trying uh, so uh, that's where Congress is 
next month and the Green proposal has the thumbs up. I know the lads tomorrow morning are talking to Tom Parsons of the GPA to get his take. GPA are behind this. In effect, if you're uh, very tired of all the inter-county um, uh, formatting conversations, what this would be going forward from 2023, and this, has, this, this should get passed at Congress now, it seems, would be the pre-season tournaments as we know them in the month of January. We would have the National League as we know it. And then the provincial championships would be standalone tournaments followed by a round-robin championship, which has 16 teams in it. So there's a, there's a tier two as well. There's a Talchin Cup. So 16 teams. The 16 teams are made up of all the provincial finalists would get in. So there's still something riding on the provincial championships as a standalone. And then the other eight places are courtesy of league positions. So, for instance, I saw Sean Morn of the Irish Times. If uh, we were to say 2021, then the lineup for the championship would be Mayo, Galway, Dublin, Kildare, Kerry, Cork, Tyrone, Monaghan, who were all in the inter- were all in the provincial championship finals. And then by dint of league position, Donegal, Roscommon, Armagh, Meath, Down, Clare, Derry and Offaly. So they'd all go into a round robin, 16 teams, and we'd, we'd go from there. Uh, for some, it's not radical enough for sure, Nathan. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's a step forward for sure because we can't keep going as we are, that's for sure. No, it feels like a very GEA solution that Proposal B was seen as far too radical and this is a little step towards getting more games between the top teams while keeping it open to everybody. It does, I think, um, uh, you mentioned John Prenti, I'm sure he's a hugely influential figure in these sort of negotiations. If you're a Connacht County, like the look of the draw could be absolutely massive. Likewise in Munster, where you know if you have Kerry and Cork on the same side of the draw, suddenly it opens up for one of those other counties to end up in this Champions League-style format. And likewise, a Leitrim or a Sligo, whereas I think if you're one of those mid-ranking teams in Ulster or Leinster, unfortunately, you ain't going to get anywhere near this. So again, there is a bit of a disparity because of the connection with the provincial championships. Mm-hmm. And it is far easier, obviously, to progress in Munster and Connacht than it is in the other two. But it's a step. And I assume the reason the GPA got behind this last week was that they realized they could spend the next two, three years fighting and trying to push towards a proposal B. And actually, they can still do that in the background. But let's take this. Let's run with it from next year. Give it a couple of years. Maybe you can tweak it slightly. Maybe you can make more of a connection with the league than actually with the provincial championships. But I think the more you see the better teams playing each other, the better. Yeah. Tom Parsons came out, by the way, to explain GPA's thinking. So they surveyed squads. 70, 70, 70% of squads were in favour of green. It was that simple for the GPA. 15% were in favour of red. And then the other 15% said, ah, whichever. We're equally in favour of uh, red or green. We're so, done. We're yeah. done. <laughs> 70% wanted green. That was GPA thinking. So uh, we'll touch column keys anyway at half past uh, seven about that and a few other things. Uh, TJ Reid, like I said, I think gets a mention after uh, his finish to win the game for Ballyhale. So the news rent is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. And like night follows day, Richie, Watford's sack manager. Sunrise, sunset. Watford have sacked their manager Claudio Ranieri after just 112 days at the helm. The club dropped into the Premier League's relegation zone on Friday night following a 3-0 defeat at home to Norwich. Ranieri, of course, only appointed in October. He signed a two-year deal at the time, but Watford say a change of coach now with almost half of their season still to play can help them avoid relegation. I mean, Nathan, Claudio, you've had 14 games. What more do you want here? I think that's probably all he wanted was come in I assume his agent negotiated a good deal and with Watford, you got to start quickly. 
get a bit of momentum, you get safety, and even then you're probably thinking, I'll get a couple of months for next year. But watching them on Friday night uh, in that match, they were played off the park uh, by Norwich, and Norwich haven't been playing anybody off the park, and there's been no response from Ranieri coming in at all. And this is how Watford operate. There's a debate around whether it works, whether it's what supporters want, if it keeps them in the Premier League and they change again, they do eventually get that bounce, and they keep the investment rolling. It, maybe it is a good thing, but it's very hard, I'm sure, as a Watford supporter to get involved, mm. to be you know attached properly to the club when you don't know who's in charge week after week. Like I was looking there, Marco Silva. It doesn't feel like that long since Marco Silva was doing quite a good job as the Watford manager. They've had six managers since Marco Silva. That's about four years ago, so yeah. not including even caretaker managers. Yeah, There's a sort of club at this stage. I don't think anybody really cares whether Watford stay up, no. stay down. No. You just cannot get any emotional connection with them at all. Zero. 15 managers since 2012. I didn't see the game on Friday. How did Adam Ida go? Uh, solid. Yeah, he was solid. pretty good. Um, yeah. Wasn't, uh, yeah. as you would expect from Norwich and Watford, it wasn't uh, the greatest quality of the game, but he was always busy, which is what they want. Like he's playing as part of a front two with Timu Puki. Uh, was involved in the third goal. Didn't look particularly dangerous, but that's the problem he's going to have. He's not going to get an awful lot of chances, I think, in front of goal for Norwich, but certainly did enough to keep his place in the team, and, and I think that's what he wants. You know, if he could finish the season with five Premier League goals, I would imagine Dean Smith would be delighted with that. But with Ida at the moment, it's, I think it's more the honesty of effort is going to keep him in there. And, you know, he made life difficult at the back for Watford, so it was uh, Josh Sargent who stole the headlines with the quality of his well, his first goal in particular. But, okay. yeah, I think uh, Adam Ida, he'll keep his place for the next few weeks. Okay. Rich, uh, Leinster updating on a few injuries? Yeah, Josh van der Flyer is an injury doubt ahead of Ireland's Six Nations opener with Wales. The flanker will have a minor groin injury sustained against Bath, assessed by the Ireland medical team. Jordan Larmer is of no such concern to Andy Farrell, despite suffering a facial injury in Saturday's win at the wreck. James Ryan and Tyke Furlong will have respective hamstring and calf injuries monitored while in Ireland camp. And there is, of course, an all-Irish pairing among the ties in the last 16 of the Heineken Champions Cup. Leinster will play Connacht over two legs in April. Munster are set to take on the 2020 Champions Exeter. That follows yesterday's four 45 points to 7 win over Wasps while holders to lose will provide the opposition for Ulster I mean the Leinster Connacht game should be really exciting it seems the Aviva is going to come into play for Leinster you can imagine Connacht fans from the west and living in Dublin already trying to make a big effort to make that game at the Aviva Stadium Uh, 50-50 in the crowds maybe even uh, try and do a bit of a Munster Leinster 06 kind of a job and things so that's something to look forward to uh, meanwhile Johnny Sexton was rolling back the years at the wreck on Saturday he was just fantastic he's a uh, freak of nature at this stage so Jerry Thornley Fiona Hayes on the way after 8 o'clock what else going on Richie? Uh, elsewhere, Andy Lyons says a move to the UK remains his ambition despite signing for Shamrock Rovers today. The Republic of Ireland under-21 fullback has left Dublin rivals Bohemians to join the hoops and Lyons has signed a multi-year deal with Rovers. Uh, sticking with transfer news in the league, Slugger Rovers citing Aidan Keena from Falkirk. The striker is reunited at the showgrounds with his former St. Pat's boss, Liam Buckley. African combinations? Yet, yeah, due to COVID-19 infections, Comoros have started with full-back Shakir Al-Hodr in goal for their Africa Cup of Nations last 16 tie with Cameroon. That game kicked off at 7. It's still goalless. Comoros now also uh, down to 10 men. They've had Najim Abdu sent off pretty harshly, it seems, after just 7 minutes. Musa Barrow scored the only goal of the game as the tournament debutants Gambia beat Guinea earlier on today. Gambia will play whoever wins this evening's match in the last 8. 
There's an argument to be made that if Comoros were to win this game, it would be the greatest victory in the history of football. Considering Cameroon haven't lost a competitive 100%. game at home since 1973. They're playing with their left back in goal. They're now down to 10 men. Even if they had their full strength 11, Camaros would have been as big an underdog as you would imagine. So if they could somehow get through this and beat Cameroon or even bring it to extra time or even keep it reasonable, it's going to be one of the great footballing achievements. It does not reflect well on the African Cup of Nations, though, that they've had to go into this without a goalkeeper. How they couldn't come up with some sort of a solution, fly somebody in, delay the game by a couple of days, it's absolute madness. So it's just an outfield Calf player. Calf have been really intransigent about this. Yeah, it's a left-back in goal. Calf have been kind of intransigent about it because their only fit goalkeeper, Ali Ahamada, uh, actually is doesn't have uh, COVID-19. He's tested negative the last couple of days. But such were the rules in place by Calf that they just wouldn't let him play because he had tested positive uh, so recently. So okay. uh, they were deciding that, no, we're going to have this farce of Comoros starting with a left full in goal and let's see how they get on against the tournament <laughs> hosts. And it's Jeez. done... No end of damage to the credibility of this game, to be fair. I mean, I'm no expert, but I would think the pre-match team talk would be, let's get a few shots in on this fella and see what we're uh, working with. <laughs> so, Australian Open then. A day of shocks, Richie? Yeah, in the women's draw at least in Melbourne, second seed Arena Sabalenka lost in a third set tiebreaker to Kaya Kinepi. The Estonian will play Iga Swiatek in the quarterfinals. Former finalist in Melbourne, Simona Halep was beaten in three sets today by Elise Cornet. Men's fourth seed Stefanos Tsitsipas needed five sets to shake off Taylor Fritz and the Greek will play the 11th seed Yannick Sinner of Italy in the quarterfinals. Next up for second seed Daniel Medvedev is a quarterfinal with Felix Auger Aliasim following respective wins today over Maxime Cressy and Marin Cilic. Medvedev, however, is feeling a little disrespected by the Grand Slams. I really don't know, like, what should I do to to play on centre courts in Grand Slams because I won the last Grand Slam. I mean, I'm high seed here and uh, to play against Maxime would be easier on Rod Laver, more space. And, uh, I mean, the the when you play on a smaller court, it's tougher to play somebody who does serve and volley than on a bigger court. It's like same in Wimbledon. I mean, I, I haven't even played on center because I don't count the, the fifth set, which I played after the rain, after uh, being put on court two. They're definitely candidates for the moniest athletes in the world, Nathan. I would say tennis players. Yeah, pampered. The top ones, clearly. Yeah. Uh, every second story out of the Australian Open for the last two years has been giving out about something. And I think it's probably a consistent thing, whether it's, it's too hot the air conditioning isn't good enough. The accommodation isn't great. The supporters are booing them. The supporters aren't really booing them. They're doing a Cristiano Ronaldo celebration, but they think they're booing them. Yeah, uh, get over yourselves. I think it's just because they were all prodigies from a very young age. Individual sports never had to compromise on anything and have just been enabled their entire lives. Like, there's definitely a parallel with golfers who are equally, mm. equally moany, I would say. Did you see John Ram, by the way? Oh, John Ram was caught muttering under his breath. Oh, you can't say anything. Um, it was just I, a fan report. Report. In fairness, I feel sorry for him because he is uh, sort of talking to his caddy quietly as he's walking between holes, and somebody's videoing it, uh, which maybe he maybe he knew and was happy for it to get out. But basically, all three tournaments of the PGA Tour so far this year have been incredibly easy. It hasn't been windy, and it's been very low scoring, and that doesn't suit a John Ram, who actually the tougher the course, the better for him. Yes, and yeah, made his uh, 
frustration is quite clear. Like this effing pudding contest, goddamn setup, that kind of a thing is what he was uh, saying. I, and to be fair, the cream rises to the crop on a tougher course, so I can see how Ram's upset. I think well, he knew exactly that that's what he was doing. By the way, I, I right. think I, I mean, there's a bunch of people. They're all holding up cameras because I'm walking by them. Um, you know, I think <laughs> this is a way to do it without getting fined. Yeah, there's a reason Tiger Woods probably never played in that tournament because, it, as you said, it's too much of a leveller when the course is that easy and brings a bit more jeopardy into it. But John Ram, I'm sure, had reasons to be there and maybe it wasn't the quality of the golf course. Maybe it was uh, a sponsor who made sure he was turning up. Yeah. Well, actually, Rich, I know we'll come back to TJ Reid in a sec. Do you want to bring people up to date on mm. the golf? Because it promised a lot Saturday evening for Irish golf and then didn't quite happen Sunday. S- yeah, certainly did. Fell away on Sunday, uh, both sides of uh, the coin there. Seamus Power has moved up two places to 47th in the world, despite a disappointing final round at the American Express. The water for golfer ended his week in California with a 74 that left him with a tie for 14th, and he was eventually nine shots off the winner, Hudson Swafford. Shane Larry takes Power's old place at 49 after settling for a share of 10th at the Abu Dhabi Championship. He improved uh, as the week, or he disimproved, uh, of course, on Sunday. Roy McIlroy improving as the week went on, uh, but the tournament itself was won by the Belgian Thomas Peters. Yeah, Larry in particular uh, fell away and at one stage in the seventh missed a very short put and that totally ruled himself out of the tournament after being in a very good position. He was playing with Thomas Peters who won, so I mean he was right in contention. I just see he's, uh, so all the footballers have decamped to that neck of the mm. woods and he's hanging out with Harry Maguire and Jordan, Pingford, Jordan Pickford playing around this afternoon. Is That's the last thing you need to be doing. Those two, (laughs) Maguire and Pickford. (laughs) The most calamitous footballers around. Oh, dear. Maybe it's a way of making himself feel good. Things could always be worse. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was disappointing yesterday. Abu Dhabi is a great tournament to watch on a sort of January Sunday, finishing up around lunchtime, and you thought, McIlroy made this brilliant run, got himself to within two shots of the lead at one stage, faded. Like Larry started with a triple bogey. He four-putted from the edge of the green and never really recovered from there. And it's incredible. I was... I started, and it's it's more golf weekly piece where I can dedicate 10 minutes to the world golf rankings. I was trying to find out the last time Shane Larry wasn't in the top two Irish golfers. It's quite a while, I'd say. But obviously, that run has been broken now because Seamus Power is ahead of him. There you go, folks. Miss Golf Weekly this week at your peril. Nathan Murphy's bringing the good stuff. Uh, Brian says, Watford, much classier in dismissal than Everton. I didn't see the Watford statement, but I mean, it wouldn't be hard to be classier than the Rafa statement, I suppose. Uh, hi, Joe. There are a couple of indoor pitches in the National Indoor Arena in Blanchardstown, Dublin. Full-size soccer and half-size rugby pitches, probably similar to bacon, but costs are prohibitive. Okay, I'm not, I didn't realise that. I don't know what the costs are. €150 Euro for an hour and a half for a team is very good, though, in bacon, Nathan. I like that. Yeah, it's a slightly different scenario where obviously there's not a huge amount of teams. I know it's the Connacht Centre of Excellence, but they need to make it affordable to keep it operational. Whereas out in Abbottstown, you have the absolute cream of the crop. You know, the Irish rugby team, I'm sure, when they come back from Portugal, are going to do all their training out there. You've got any amount of inter-county sites. So I don't know if they're exactly comparable, but I would think that there's plenty of of county boards who are thinking, do, do we really need it? build a new stadium how many games are we actually going to have maybe this facility where we know we can play matches and have a couple of thousand people in will do it just just fine yeah well on bacon it's uh, not for profit Uh, John Prenti was saying that yesterday it costs about 50 grand to run for the year but they're not out to make a profit he he wants as many clubs as possible to uh, play at it and enjoy it which is just you know one one of these great things about the GEA I suppose that profit's not really on their minds in this respect uh, we should just mention Richie finally TJ Reid because that was the story of yesterday in some respects 
Yeah, and the last gas goal from him secured reigning champions Ballyhale Shamrocks a place in this year's All Ireland Club hurling final. The Kilkenny champions beating Galway St Thomas's by two fifteen to twenty points at Semple Stadium. Waterford's Bally Gunner are through to that final as well, following a two nineteen to one seventy win over Schlockneil Derry. That final has been confirmed for Croke Park Saturday, February twelfth. The hurling final is going to have a three pm start, and the football final will throw in at five. Uh, touch of genius here although TJ Reid himself Nathan said there were so many bodies there I said look I'll just go for pure power and it was just luck that it went in Ah, there's a little bit of luck but there's a little bit of magic there as well I know Colin Fenley sort of steps in front of the keeper which adds to it as well but uh, if you follow TJ Reid on social media I know he owns a gym runs a gym he is built like an absolute tank and every bit of muscle in his body was put into that you did not want to get in its way but it was just one of those great great sporting moments where it was done you just thought this was done it doesn't happen from from the distance he was out where you managed i, I can't understand how st thomas's didn't have all 15 players back in the line mm. for starters There's yeah. like that there was even a way to squeeze it through uh, maybe just mentally they were gone at that stage and weren't thinking but yeah, for Ballyhay, like that is that is the dream way to win a semi final, and a reminder that you know when I don't know it feels maybe because Kilkenny have been winning all Irelands over the last few years. That, you know we're obsessed with this Limerick side, rightly for their genius that TJ at times gets forgotten about a little bit. Uh, well, he reminded us all yesterday. I think just how good he is. He sure did, Nathan Murphy. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Richie McCormick. Thanks, a million. You're out the door, Andy. I'm after spending about five grand on a thousand Paddy and Andy football pod t-shirts. So oh, Jesus Christ. It's like yeah. Garth Brooks all over again. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app.